Elizabeth. No, Elizabeth. No, Elizabeth, don't. This is Left Unsupervised with Elizabeth Morales, your comedic host that's done it all. Actress, writer, director, producer, headdresser, bartender, beauty pitcher, organizer, rock and roll, PR expert, talent coordinator, bookkeeper, hostess, makeup artist, wife, mother, and general badass. Now listen as she interviews all of her favorite celebrities, doctors, and entrepreneurs that she's met along the way. This week, Elizabeth is Left Unsupervised with her guest, Kincaid Walker. Dana, you know this town is full of acting coaches, life coaches, therapists, all self-help guru kind of thing, right? I think LA is like big time. And New York too, I think, but mainly metropolitan cities. Yeah, I think anywhere where people are are moving here to like – entertain there's a lot of people trying to like better themselves all the time and it's like kind of like the mecca for like self-improvement a lot of woo is yeah what they call. there's woo. a lot of woo energy yeah. <laughs> yeah which could be good like really good because totally. i got some really special connections with some girls that have that spiritual vibe about them and then it can go a little bit south sometimes depending yeah it can go like bananas crazy so fast oh yeah because i want to ask you like you've done therapy right i mm-hmm. me too and i've done the group settings and i've done all of that um but today's guest kincaid walker you know her i know her i love her she's isn't she hilarious she's so funny she's so funny i love her i can't wait to talk to her but she did this um was it a, a series yeah, yeah so she produced and created and starred in such a cool series called Hug It Out, which is the premise is this very real thing where there are professional cuddlers and people that um, spoon people or cuddle with people professionally. And it's like for if it works for you, it's a very therapeutic way to connect without, I guess, like breaking like intimacy that you would have to in real life. It's like intimacy in a professional setting. Right. Ooh, I don't know if there's something wrong with me, but I'm sweating just thinking about somebody spooning me right now. I'm like, get off of me. I know. But- <laughs> Why take the worst part of dating someone <laughs> and pay for it? Like, if you want to, give me like five minutes and then get away from me. <laughs> and get me a drink while you're at get it. Get me a drink while you're at it. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you know, um, Kincaid is uh, series is about that, right? It's about hug therapy or what they call cuddle therapy, mm-hmm. which I think is great if it can really. A lot of people that have intimacy issues, if it really works, you know. Have you ever tried anything like weird therapy? I have. I've done some weird shit. Um, you know, this town is kind of uh, conducive to that. So, I've had weird acting coaches that a couple of times. I just, you know, I went in and I left and was like, okay, well, that was fun. I'll never do that again. Or I did this one kind of group thing that was almost like borderline cultish, you know? Yeah. And there's too much of that out here. It's Yeah. It's, yeah. it's this weird hybrid monster of like acting coach, life coach that like came together <laughs> to like make a cult demon. <laughs> And the stuff I did a couple of times be like, what the hell? You know, I've uh, I've talked to empty chairs <laughs> and I've been really pissed off at them. No, just kidding. You know, I, I get some of the the therapy that you do unconventional sometimes is really cool. I kind of like unconventional therapy. For sure. It's like I think it's like the same as like fine. It's like you have to like find like your tribe with it, like what your thing is that like works for you. 
all I found is stuff that doesn't work for me. I find <laughs> one-on-one therapy to be <laughs> quite like, a delight. Quite a delight. Like call call me old-fashioned, but I just <laughs> Whoa, what's the weirdest thing you've had to do? Um, I've definitely had to yell at empty chairs. I've had to cry in the fetal position in front of like a group of like semi strangers and they've had to do like the same for me. Um, I had to like write on mugs, like mantras onto like mugs and then drink out of that mug every day. I had to grow a plant once. My God, I could go on for days. <laughs> Where did you plant? Um, I planted. This is this is why I think like I uh, I just like traditional therapy because I planted um i believe dill what was and your intention i know my intention with the dill was to not kill the dill and then i ended up auditioning a bunch so the dill died and when the dill died the, the uh, audition died too. The, well no that's the thing is like my life got so busy and like so great and i was like doing well and then all this um uh, cult leader said to me was um Oh, this is a metaphor for your life. You let things die. And I was like, I just booked my first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'll never the... be a great actress if I can't grow dill. <laughs> the dill died. The dill died. <laughs> That's your new project. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, my God. Anyway. Well, you know, you haven't lived in this town long enough unless you've been part of a weird group well weird culty group or you've had a weird manager or a weird you know agent or acting coach yeah or... it's a rite of passage here in yeah it is for sure what is wrong with you if you haven't found these people you know <laughs> <laughs> oh my god but let's go get Kincaid because I'm dying to hear how she researched this too oh I can't wait Our guest today is the wildly talented creator, writer, and star of the digital series, Hug It Out, for which she was named Best Emerging Female Creator, You Go Girl, by Bustle Digital Group, and winner of the Best Digital Series at Series Fest. Yes, she is a badass. She's been on Gilmore Girls, My Name is Earl, and Parks and Rec, to name just a few of her very long list of credits. You can catch her now reoccurring as Hillary on the hit ABC show, Speechless, alongside Minnie Driver. I am super stoked to have this girl. She is so talented, and not just talented, but beautiful, and my friend, Kincaid Walker. Thanks, Kincaid. Oh, thanks for having me. Oh, my God. I've been so excited to get you into the studio. I mean, we've been friends for, uh, I don't know, like five years, Yep. right? Mm -hmm. And I have always been obsessed with your comedy and your writing. You are so funny, girl. Oh, that's awesome. Your delivery is just, there's so many things that I want to talk about, things that, you know, you have created. And your career has just, you know, you're on fire. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I love your podcast so much. And so it's really fun to get to now be on this side of it. So, oh, I'm so yeah, glad. Yes. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so um, just tell our listeners a little bit about you, like where you're from, where did you go to school? Sure. Yeah, I'm. I'm from Des Moines, Iowa. Okay. Uh, my parents still live there. I was just home for a very cold winter over the holidays, and I went to Northwestern University. I was a theater major there. Okay. Um, graduated and moved out to LA to act and write. 
as I said, my parents are still in Iowa. My brother uh, is a lawyer in, in Brooklyn. And and so we're kind of, we both, you know, fled for the coast, I guess. Oh, but. my gosh. So you got an East Coaster and a West Coaster. Yes, yes. With <laughs> Iowa always in our hearts. So you have one sibling. You have a brother. One sibling. Yeah, a little brother. So this is what brought you to L.A. then, pursuing like you knew from the get-go. Did you always know you wanted to be in entertainment? Did you always know you wanted to write? You know, I always wanted to do both. I think for a long time I thought I needed to choose one. And so so I was always kind of like a closet writer. Yeah, I think it, especially with Hug It Out, it kind of was like, oh, maybe I can marry these two things together. And now I'm doing both of them equally. So, but I did. I always, I was that kid who, you know, was like lip syncing to Mariah Carey and like <laughs> always obsessed with, yes, Julianne Moore <laughs> and yeah, just, you know, the whole, the whole shebang. Yeah. Is comedy something that you knew that you wanted to do because you're so damn good at it? Or is that just something, did you know that you were that good at comedy? Is that what you came out here to do? You know, not specifically. I mean, you know, in theater school, you do everything from like Greek tragedy to Ibsen to comedy as well. And I, I will say that whenever I would do comedy in school or even as a kid, like it seemed like people would kind of that they liked me doing that best, and right. I really do enjoy it the most, too. So I'm, I enjoy drama. It's okay. But, yeah, I kind of just like being able to, to play around and and kind of tickle people. And when, and when I make people laugh, even as a kid, I was always pretty delighted by it. So I didn't come out here specifically for comedy, but I found it pretty quickly, you know. Well, you're of- an incredible dramatic actress also. So, I mean, I think that it speaks volumes that you can do both and write both. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they're probably closer than we sometimes realize. But yeah, comedy has been obviously most of my writing is in the comedy realm, too. So what are some of the challenges, let's say, that you've had to overcome? One being a woman Mm -hmm. um, in this industry, or maybe you haven't, you know, maybe you haven't had to overcome just being a woman. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what are some of the challenges that you've had to overcome in order to continue to keep moving forward and not letting certain things stop you? Yeah, that's a great question. I think when I first moved out here, when I was was sort of very idealistic and young, and then at least for myself, I you found that there's just always somebody has an opinion and input about like you should do this or this is the way you do it this is the track like and i think for a, one of the challenges i've had to surmount and i feel like i i have come out the other end of it is just to find my own voice and to be able to just say you know what this is what i want to do and whatever other people think about the odds of that happening to just to be able to kind of just embrace my own sense of what is right for me. And I think that I was always like a a good kid who got, you know, like A's. And so I was like very much like, just tell me what to do. That's good. That's a good thing. I was the black sheep. I love it. I think I still am. I love that. I'm I'm like, now I'm like, I hope I'm the black sheep now. That's good. You know, just like, because otherwise I think you just get inundated with everybody telling you this is who you are. And ultimately, Especially success in our industry comes when you go, you know what, no, I'm going to say who I am and define it and move down that path without being afraid of what other people, what they think of that. Right, so. or their opinions. So would you yeah. say trust? Because that's interesting that you say that because um, I had a girlfriend who texted me and she was like, okay, what is there? I don't really do New Year's resolutions because oh, – yeah. 
you know, I never followed through with them. So I kind of try to start before New Year's, whatever I'm going to try to practice for 2019. But she wrote me this email, she a text, and she's like, what's your word for 2019? Just give me a word. And I said, trust. Trust is the word. So trusting yourself yes. Yes. is a big deal sometimes that you have to overcome because you're right. Everybody has an opinion and everybody thinks that there's a certain way of doing everything. Would you say you're an out-of-the-box thinker? I think so. Me I think too. I think I I am at heart and now I definitely am in practice in terms of my own just not even just career, my life. But and I think, you know, to go back to what you mentioned, being a woman in this industry, it's like it's such an interesting time because there's so many it's such an evolution going on with right, some of that. Right. But yeah, I think the writing has really helped me too to kind of not be boxed into some of the stereotypes maybe I felt as an actress, you know, that to go uh, I don't know, just the the constantly sort of being the objectified is, well, objectified may be true as well, but it sounds a little strong for what I'm trying to say. Just the, the right. being seen and watched and analyzed for your sort of exterior and, and put in those kind of boxes. Labeled. 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 Yes. 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 Which I don't want to do anything the way you're supposed to, but I've always awesome. been like that. I like to almost kind of challenge the the rules, the set of rules. You know, yes. you got to trust your gut because, you know, not you can't get to the same goal the same way. S- sometimes you got to go around it, above yes. it, through it, you know, under it. So I think that's great. How do you feel about the industry changing with women? And do you do you feel that there's really going to be a change in the industry? I do. I mean, I think hopefully the more obviously female executives and female directors and people in those kind of power positions, I think it'll change. I had a a wonderful conversation with a friend who's an executive recently where she was asking me if I had any material that featured older female protagonists, as in in, you know, late 50s all the way to 70s and right. up, and that this is this demographic that her company had had, had been looking at um, as uh, their algorithms and, you know, these ways they analyze uh, audiences now. And it was this incredibly underserved demographic. And I'm like— Baby think, boomers. Yeah. I was like, that's the most hopeful thing. I love that because there's just always this— I don't know. I, I That question in itself is kind of crazy to me that they're looking for content for baby boomers, yes, for women. For women. And I like, it's true. I mean, my mom, you know, she doesn't want, I mean, she may watch something with a 35-year-old protagonist, but she wants to watch something with a 70-year-old protagonist because she's, right. you know, so it's like those kind of things I feel like as the, like there's the idealism of it. And then I think as the marketplace goes like, oh, wow, there's a real audience there for that. And we can, I mean, not to be cynical, but we can profit off these things. Right. More, more voices and obviously diversity in general, I think. Well, and I think also, it is changing. Yeah. And let's be real, the consumers, because yeah. um, millennials really don't consume much of, even they, I just read this article. And I'm not saying anything bad about millennials. It's just like they don't even have cars. They rather just Uber. So the car industry, there's just a lot of things changing. So I think that that's great. It is kind of cool that the industry, I feel like it's also changing and that we are recognizing women so much and not just age-wise or, oh, right, or youth. Right, 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 yeah. It's, it's more of a, an empowering absolutely than beauty. Absolutely. And, and just, just the different voices and different life experiences and that, that 
that I think are going to be increasingly recognized and those stories are going to be told. And it just, yeah. So I, I do think it's changing. I think it, there's like, the, as I said, there's like the ideal change that people talk about. And then I think right. there's the the fact that this is a business and the more they, they see that Crazy Rich Asians is a huge hit, they go, oh, well, let's do more of that then, you know? it's And it's like, yeah. well, I mean, I guess if that it's a business and that's great because then there's just more opportunity across the board. Well, and let's be real. Women are the ones that spend the money. We do. <laughs> so we want to see ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, right? Represented the right way. Yes. So absolutely. for you, because you wear so many hats, Kincaid, you write, you act, starred in your own things that you've written. Mm-hmm. What would you say is the most challenging when you're doing all these different things, when you're doing all these, when you have all these different hats on? How do you keep it together? I have a... a person who I work with, co-produce with, which is great to have a teammate in it, right. um, Jason Exusian. But in general, I guess I just try to always come back to the fact that these I'm passionate about the story and the project. And right. I feel like things, you know, because I've, I've thought about that when people say, oh, with Hug It Out, like, what were the things that, that surprised you that were harder than you thought? And it was such a overwhelmingly positive experience. And I think just because I wanted it so much and was so passionate about it. So even if like, you know, the little you you produce like a location falls through yeah. or an actor's schedule or I had an editor that worked, we parted ways from him quickly, but he like chopped it all up and was like, oh, this is no good. And it was just, I was like, oh my God, like, <laughs> that's horrible. So, yeah. yeah. And so just those kind of things of just keeping moving forward and like, no, I'm going to see this realized. And it's, I know, you know, I believe in this and I, you know, found a lot of strength in myself of being able to, you know, excite other people to come on board with my work, right. which, you know, and to say, like, this is this, I think, can be a great thing for all of us to to make together. So, so. what keeps you grounded when somebody like an editor who, you know, says, oh, this is not good? Because that kind of happened to me with something I produced. And it oh. really wasn't the show. It was the hashtag show. It was the some of the editors were like chopping it up. Of course, then it you know, we got rid of that editor and we got another editor. Right. But how do you stay grounded when you get the negative? Because as actors or producers or writers or cr- just as creators, right, mm-hmm. we are challenged every day because we're in a business of no. It takes work to keep yourself grounded. Mm-hmm. What do you do to keep yourself grounded? What are your, like, things that you need to do so that you can keep things focused and not letting the noise get in the way? I'm a proud introvert. So I spend, I have my time there. I'm just with my dog or I'm meditating or I kind of just go into my own little world and like align in that space of, uh, and really thinking about it. Like when I got in the car, for example, after that editor said that and I left the office and was in my car, I was like, you know, feeling not great about that experience. But I tried to just go like, okay, is there value? Is there anything to learn from what he's saying? And what, and also like, trusting that what I had created was really good and everything there's a there's value to those opinions sometimes right but kind of like going back to trusting in my own voice and so I try to get quiet and just say I really love this and this is something that I believe in and I want to do and and you're right there's so much rejection in our business but I sort of I uh, try more and more to just kind of see like well it might 
you know, look like rejection to someone on the outside, but here's the great things that happen. Here's the relationship I created or here's the thing I learned from this experience that I can take with me forward. And then the rest of it just kind of like let it go. Well, yeah. And that's good. You know, that's something that I'm trying to do myself lately because I'm a big talker and I'm like, I'm trying to bring it in inward and stop. So a lot of the white noise, because there's a lot of white noise that I think everybody has the struggles with. So I'm an extrovert. And now I'm trying to learn how to be I'll never be an introvert, but, you know, at least bring it in sometimes. And it's really kind of helped me just – and the meditation helps me too. I do, I do, If I don't do that, like Mike knows, like, he'll come home and he's like, you didn't meditate today, did you? And I'm like – You're like, whatever do you mean, yeah. dear? <laughs> what gave it away? I'm not stressed. Right. <laughs> so my eyes are bugging out of my head. Oh, my God. So, oh. oh, my God. Well – Listen, I want to talk about Hug It Out because you are killing it at every festival that you have entered. You have been winning awards. So I love the concept. I saw the series and oh my God, Kincaid, it's so funny. And I think it's so fitting too to LA, you know, all the different types of therapy that there is in this very... um, culture of, yes. of California, right, you know, right, yes. me included. I'm in, in oh, that me woo. Too. Yep. You know, I'm in that woo. But um, tell us a little bit how you came up with the concept yeah. and, you know, what, what's been happening with it because, oh, my God, I love it. You're killing it with it. Oh, thank you. That's so nice of you to say. And you were, I mean, the, the little screening we had just for friends and family, you were there right at the beginning of it, and oh, it meant yeah. so much to me, and so thank you so much. Always, I, girl. Oh, I'm your number one fan. You're awesome. You're amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, the story of Gwen, and she's recently divorced. She's broke as fuck, and, <laughs> and she's got a lot of longstanding intimacy issues she's definitely never dealt with. I know a few um, people like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there may have been some, yes. you know, autobiography and <laughs> elements to this. Um, yeah. And uh, she's she becomes a, a professional cuddler in Los Angeles. She moves across the country, starts a new life, and... And says, you know what, I'm just going to do exactly the thing that the old me would never, never have done. And for her, that is definitely being a, a cuddler for hire and going to people's places and getting into some really, you know, intense platonic intimacy. <laughs> and it leads to a hysterical plot line oh, with thanks. all the different clients. Yes. Right? Thank you. And so – I didn't even know that cuddle therapy or hug therapy was a real thing until oh, yeah. I saw Hug It Out. Oh, you serious? Like, yeah. I was like, oh, is that a real awesome. thing? And then I saw a thing on 2020 about it. It was one of those um, – it was either 2020 or 60 Minutes or on hug therapy. And I was like, oh, it's it's a yeah. real thing. Yeah. I was – when I was watching it, I think one of the funniest things too is even if you, if you don't have intimacy issues, but just having somebody, which is – I think it's so funny – I don't consider myself to have intimacy issues, right? Mm -hmm. But then if I had somebody come in to do hug therapy, I would like, nah, 
Yeah. Right. Right. So you were so, so funny. How did this concept come up for you? You know, I uh, I had written a pilot that I was taking out, a half-hour pilot I was taking out, and I decided that I just I wanted to do something that that I could produce myself and make and be just a really kind of a high-concept thing I could do a, a season of digitally and that would be really funny as well. And I randomly read this article in The Atlantic about a cuddler, a woman who does this for real, and I just became obsessed with the idea of it. And it's I so funny. talked to cuddlers. I cuddled. I just was like, you did? I did. You I was did the like, research. I did the research. What was it like? It was incredibly awkward. It was. Um, did you have a cuddler come to your house? I didn't. I no. I cuddled. I have a oh, friend. Oh, you did. Oh my god. Okay. Who, I have a friend, like one of the, in the again in one of these LA things, basically, where I was like, oh well, you know. Could it be that one of my friends has a mutual friend who's a cuddler? Probably not. <laughs> but we live in L.A., so I definitely – yeah. just kidding, my friend. <laughs> yes, she definitely did. So I talked with her, and there was, like, a, a woman that was comfortable with me just coming in and just trying it. So I just – I showed up at her house. We spooned. I mean, it was it was very, very was awkward. Like? I was <sighs> – I was probably she because she had been a client of this woman for so long. I feel like she kind of took care of me, oh, which is a little it's gonna be okay. Yeah, which is we're, we're like just gonna cuddle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just sort of stood there and I was like, I have a pillow and I have a sleeping bag and like I'm not sure what we should do right now, but like I, I'm gonna spoon you and she wanted to spoon me for a while. You're giving the poor of, oh, the poor client anxiety. Yeah, I know. She's like, oh god, like she was. This lovely woman, the opposite of like, she's a professor, very you know, mid fifties, very lovely, beautiful home, and anyways, yeah, and I, and so that was kind of the the, the like the first episode of Hug It Out, where my character Gwen is kind of taken care of by you know the the this character Seamus who recurs over the series becomes a bit of her sort of cuddling guide because she she finds herself like being taken care of him more than and so that was definitely my oh experience my too. Oh my god. And it's so funny too because you see this character becoming is very uncomfortable in yeah. the beginning and then you see her actually go through the process and actually Start to really dig it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Thank you. Yeah, I like about the midpoint of the series. I think, you know, Gwen gets this sense of like, wait, like. I think I like it. This, I like it. And I'm helping, you know, <laughs> I, I really wanted to because people were like, oh, you got to, you know, like. Basically, everyone was like, yeah, but it's really sexual, right? I mean, this, and I was like, that's not the series I'm doing. And I think for the most part, these are very genuine Exchanges with people, yeah, that it's not sexual because that's not funny. That's like easy. I was like, I was easy. easy Like, he gets a boner in an episode. I'm like, okay, well, that's like you know, a lot of people were like, you should have done that episode, but I was like, no, I wanted to like. So the characters are, you know, like as you know, there's a male and female, male and female. There's a veteran who, young vet who has PTSD. There's this religious wife who has postpartum depression and is looking for a way to you kind of connect again. And so it was just. I was had a lot of fun thinking of all the people who could really come to it organically that Gwen would then in turn be like, oh, fuck, this means something. Like, well, I'm so inside my own head. getting something from men too, right? Yeah, yeah. So that was a cool thing too. I thought like they're getting something from you, but in return you're getting something from them. And sometimes you don't even know what that is until. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
Also, Miss Kincaid. Yes. Because um, you, like I said, are on fire. Aww. So I hear that you're doing a book series. Yes. So I tell am. me a little bit about that. Yes, yes. It came about in a really a fun way. I've been um uh, working on a novel myself and I my mom this is so random. My mom in Iowa lives across the street from my eighth grade math teacher and they oh take walks all the time. And anyway, somehow this came up. My mom was like, oh, you know, Kincaid's been writing this novel, and a suspense novel, and my Mrs. McGill was like, <laughs> oh, my my niece is a mystery novelist in St. Louis. And so she connected us, and so it was originally to kind of mentor me on in my writing. But her name is Susan McBride. She's extraordinary. She has, I mean, she's written over 25 novels and different book wow. series and an incredible memoir. She has fabulous female protagonists. And so I just, I said to her, you know, have you ever, like, you've been, I don't know, ever thought of making a TV series or movie of any of your work? And she was, hadn't pursued that, but was very excited about it. And so I optioned her, uh, it's an award-winning mystery series. There's six books in it. It's the Debutante Dropout Mystery Series. And yeah, it's it's funny and sexy and it's, they're great mysteries. And I think they're just like, perfect for just the kind of thing that like I myself would love to watch on Netflix or on any any number of outlets. So yeah, I've been taking them out there about Andy Kendricks. It takes place in Dallas kind of junior league society, but she, like yourself, she's a wonderful black sheep who marches to her yes, own drummer, of course. That's and, right. <laughs> and um, so yeah, so there's six books in the series, so I'm adapting the first one right now and putting together, you know, what I think would be great IP for anyone to to take on as a project. So I would produce it and and play some part in it. If not Andy, then something in it. I wanted to ask you, you have been so successful auditioning and getting work all the time. What was the reason you started to create your own things? One, I wanted to write. I really wanted to write. And I wanted to write for myself. I found, I felt like I could create for myself the character that I had been waiting for someone else to, to give you to give to, me. Or to, yes. Yeah. So I loved I I've loved the the work I've done and the roles I've played and and um but there was this kind of kind of comedy and sort of view of the world that I wanted to play as an actress. And I thought, well, I'll just write it for myself. And I I also, I think, as you know, as an actress, you come into someone else's project and you're there for a little while and you go on to someone else's project. And so I wanted to have something that, you know, that was mine. Obviously, I had a lot of wonderful collaborators on right. it. Uh, but, but in that sort of sense of I wanted to create a world. I wanted to write great roles for actors. I admired scenes and work for us to do together. And so I it's the best thing that I've done. I really feel like it, it's the best thing I did for myself as a person and for my career just to to have this series that, that I feel is a real true reflection of what I do best. Well, so. and I think it's the right time right now, too, because I feel like now with social media and streaming, there's just so many more opportunities to not sit around and wait for that right role or wait for the perfect whatever it is. Yes. It's actually a great time to create 
whatever it is yes. for yourself and be and not wait around and kind of have a little more control. I think we have more control on our careers as creators than we ever did before. I totally agree. There's so many outlets right now. And anybody who's sitting around waiting for stuff to happen for them, it's just not going to because I don't think that that's the way things are done anymore. I completely agree. And I want to create a series for a network or, you know, or streaming like Netflix or or and I want to be a showrunner. And so people, as much as they might have said, like, oh, she's had this acting career, that's not the way they saw me. So this was a way to say, like, I can do this, too. And I want I want that for myself, you know, and so, and like you're saying, you can't wait, especially in those kind of to be a creator. And you can't wait for people to give that to you. You know, it's that's going to be something that you're you're going to have to to harness on your own one way or another. You know, Well, and I think not that there's anything wrong with just being an actor. But for me, I I like the process of creating, producing, seeing beginning to end, being in it. Also, when you go in to see somebody a network or pitch your show, it's not a it's not conceptualized anymore. You're actually doing it. You're yes. actually doing it. You're not waiting. You're in there doing it. They see you doing it and they see you differently too. It's not just you do one thing. It's almost like a triple threat. So you're super well-rounded and doing it all. And I think that's going to open a tremendous amount of doors for you. I think we're both the same. Like some people have said to me like, oh, but was the producing kind of just by default, like because you wanted to make the series and you had to co-produce it yourself, you know, or I was able to co-produce it, but produce it myself. I'm like, no, I really liked producing it. I liked having that kind of input into the whole process of it. And I think you're right that things, there's a lot of ways to get your work out there nowadays on social media and you can harness that in in ways we never could have even 10 years ago. And I think you're right that people, this is always a town where, you know, I think people are constantly going like, I do this, I do that. And, And whether it's right or not, there's a cynicism about whether that's true about that person until someone can go, oh, I could, she said she can dance and I can see her on this stage tonight dancing. And so now I know that that's true. And so I think when it's a theoretical about what you can do, it's just great, like, you know, to be able to say, like, I want to create a series and I did create a series and here it is and you can watch it and you can see what it is that I am telling you I do well. And And have control because in this business you have – zero control as an actor when yeah, you're on somebody right. else's set, somebody else's creation. Your job is to create that character, but everything else is out of your control. I don't know if it's me. I'm a little bit of a control freak, but mm-hmm. I like to have my hands if I can, and I have a message to get across. I want to be all in it, Yes, you know, getting it done. Mm-hmm. Make sure that um, the voice is being heard. Wait, I want to talk to you about Dinks. Oh, yeah. That's another thing I loved. Tell me a little bit about Dinks because that was such a funny concept. And it went viral, right? It It did. It was a great – yeah, it was this great series that I uh, started with this fabulous comedian named Matt Stodder. Um, It was created by Jason Exusian who actually – and wrote – written by him and directed. And he actually is the director of Hug It Out and co-produced that. Oh, wow. So that's how – that was our first project we worked on together. But yes, it's dual income, no kids. That's what Dinks means. Dinks. Dual income, no kids. Yes. Oh, so and funny. so it's just this 
kind of irreverent, some might say obnoxious couple that kind of just, you know, used their dual incomes to just go create <laughs> mischief in the world, you know, often for those with children and, you know, living <laughs> living yeah. lives that they thought At were— At the carpool so, lane, yeah, living lives exactly, in the carpool lane. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, but I love that series, and um, we did a pilot presentation of it, and it's still kind of out and about in the world So with these producers. So we'll see. I, but it's, it's one of those, you know, it's like we all have those where you're like, oh, I— I'm still I'm still rooting for it. It was such a pleasure to be a part of. Oh my god, and you're so funny in it. So, Kincaid, if we're sitting here, if we were to sit here 3 years from now, mm-hmm. where do you see yourself? Where would be the ideal? The ideal. The ideal is I have whether it's Hug It Out or a, another series I've created that it's on, you know, a network, whether that be or the Netflix or HBO, but that it's my show that that I'm not paying for. <laughs> that exactly. has like a built-in huge audience. Um, so basically, like hug it out on crack. That's oh, what I. I that's what I'm looking for. Well, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. try and uh, that hug it out's gonna do really, really great. Oh, I can't thanks. wait to see it. I mean, see it again on TV. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Thank you. So, Kincaid, you worked with the same director in Dinks and Hug It Out. Yes. So, obviously, you guys have amazing chemistry because both have been a, a tremendous success. How important do you think it is to be surrounded with people that you can really click with, that can – your tribe – I, I think it's insanely important. And I know – and, you know, uh, Jason and I have other projects now that we're, we're working on together. And I think just finding your teammates in this industry because we all feel, I think, kind of adrift and alone to some extent. Right. And, and knowing, like, oh, this is somebody that, you know, I can – take writing notes from I trust him to direct me trust, as an actress that word. yeah it, it's impl- it really is like we really immediately bonded and the value of it I feel like the work is so much better because of our, our, how well we know each other and the trust that we have you know so I think that's of utmost importance honestly I I, I the more the longer I'm in this industry it's like an obvious thing I guess but it it's like absorbed into me now, but your relationships and your the people you trust and with whom you love collaborating, it, that is what you we should all be like really looking for, you know, and it, that it because, chemistry, yeah. that 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 thing that's easy flow. I mean, you're yes. always getting out. This industry has enough issues that happen. It's kind of nice to have that easy flow where you can trust somebody. Yeah. And, well, that's incredible because let me tell you, you guys have insane chemistry. Oh, thanks. Can you please plug your social media? Where can people find you? Absolutely. Um, people can watch the first season of Hug It Out at hugitoutthe-series.com. Okay. Um, we have a bunch of amazing bonus content up there. And oh, you have just, to watch it, guys. Yeah. It's so funny. So thank you, Elizabeth. <laughs> yes, you can find it there. And at Hug It out series on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Okay. Um, and then for me personally, at Kincaid Walker. It's really easy across all social media. You can That's find K-I-N-C-A-I-D-W-A-L-K-E-R. me there. That's K-I-N-C-A-I-D-W-A-L-K-E-R. Perfect. Okay. Yes, okay. exactly. Perfect. Well, we're going to play a little game with you called Two Tweets and a Lie. Okay. And my friend Dana's going to come in here and she's going to explain the game to you. Awesome. Okay, so this is the way that this uh, game is going to work. I'm calling it Two Tweets and a Lie. I'm going to read you three tweets. 
two will be things that you have really tweeted, <gasps> and one is a lie. Ooh, oh my god, it sounds juicy. Oh wait, me? Yes. <laughs> these are, these oh, are no. your tweets, and like, girl, I had to dig deep because you are not a big tweeter. <laughs> I am not. I am not. Um, <laughs> so we're tweet shaming you right I now. Know. <laughs> not great at the old Twitter. <laughs> so the way I did it was I've either changed a detail or I've completely written a tweet from scratch. Ooh. So some will maybe feel a little bit more familiar, but some details will be different. Either way, you've got to figure out which tweet is a lie. Are All you right. ready? Okay. Ooh, this I'm ready. Is good. Okay. Okay. Round one. So the tweet is. In other news, I'm going to rewatch last night's episode of Hashtag the Leftovers as I cry on a trampoline. <laughs> the second tweet oh in this round is, I'm at Bar La Biche. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. And then uh, the third tweet in this round is, Here's to the hummingbirds, Parker and Olive, who visit my porch every day. Hashtag it's the little things. Hashtag yes, I named them. <laughs> I will happily repeat any of them if you would like, but which one is the fake tweet? Oh, my God. I remember those hummingbirds. (laughs) (laughs) I did definitely name them, and I did weep incessantly to the the leftovers when it was on, and I do trampoline. That's my favorite thing in the world. Don't even get me started on extolling the benefits of trampolining. We need more time. I mean, I'll definitely send you an article on this later, whether you want it or not. Oh, Uh, bring it on. It sounds dirty. I kind of like it. Exactly. Um, Let's see. I, I mean, I feel like that second one isn't. I feel like that's the one, that bar, bar la biche. Have I been there? Uh, okay. Oh, wait. So I ha- yeah. Okay. That's the, that's, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I've only tweeted like okay. nine times in my life and I can't remember them. <laughs> answer, please. Number uh, two. <laughs> number two, final answer. All right. Well, uh, I'm at bar la biche is a real tweet that you tweeted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's scintillating, clever tweet. <laughs> However, uh, it was only one detail of the hummingbird tweet uh, that was altered. So it is something that you did tweet. Oh, <laughs> Their names were Pete and Olive, not oh. Parker and Olive. Oh. You didn't even remember their names, Parker, Kate. I would mm. <laughs> But you did great. It. Thank you. Oh, oh man. God. That's so funny. I should have listened because like Parker, I would have known. I would never name. I would never name a hummingbird Parker. <laughs> How could I have stumbled over that one? I know. I tried to make the first one so easy. Oh, oh no, there's more. Oh no, that's round one. Oh, that's round yeah. one. Okay. I lost that round. Okay, okay perfect. There are no. I think you won. If yeah. anything. Oh, you did. Every guess. <laughs> okay, so round two. Uh, the first tweet in round two is. Wine by the ocean. I'm at Casa Del Mar Hotel. (laughs) (laughs) Name dropping. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) In my five star suite. (laughs) (laughs) I will also, also this tweet says 1910 Ocean Way at Pico Boulevard. (laughs) After. And the the second tweet in round two is. Shooting at the Cowboy Palace in Chatsworth today. Claims to be, quote, last real honky-tonk saloon, unquote, 
In L.A. at least. Boy. So this is like Twitter just deleted my account. They're like, these are the saddest. You're like, no wonder I don't tweet. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, God. (laughs) And then the the last one in this round is can't believe this is where I get to film today. Hashtag look at this view. Oh, God. These. These are great. I just want to kind of, I want to slap myself in the face right now. Um, I'm going to say that last one I didn't do. I think I did go to a birthday party at that at Casa Del Mar, and I think I was cheesy enough to tweet that. I would have tweeted it too <laughs> with the picture of the champagne. Yeah, exactly. Like, Ocean view, <laughs> bitches. Yeah. I was like, I do think that might have really happened. <laughs> uh, well, you're right. That did really happen. That was a real tweet, and then uh, the last one was not a real tweet. Yeah. That one oh, I made up completely. Girl, you're on fire. Uh, oh my god. You're on fire. You're like one out of. Oh my god. Okay, final round, girl. Final round. (laughs) Okay, okay. So, round three. This is the last one. Okay. Okay, so the first tweet is Oh, peacocks of Arcadia, I'm in love with you. (laughs) Damn, these are. I'm going to go home and cry on my trampoline after this. (laughs) Tweet about it, please. (laughs) Season three is coming. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) The second tweet is. Election day. Hashtag midterms are important. Hashtag voting feels good. Oh, yeah. That, that sounds like me. Yeah. That yeah. Like <laughs> little, little righteous tweet there. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> little rage came yeah, through to go yeah, out there and exactly. vote people. <laughs> and then the last one of the last round is loved performing at Second City with these glorious people last night. Hashtag live comedy. Hashtag so much fun. Oh, man. Wait, what was the first? The first one was the P. Oh, the f- oh, the fucking peacock. <laughs> I I think I did tweet that because I was so upset. I was like, "What do you mean peacocks wander around people's yard in this amazing place?" And I chased a few around. It was it was a, a special day. Okay, I'm gonna say there was. Uh, this is a hard game because I'm like, I think I tweeted all of these things, but there's like something that's not right about one of them. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna say that in the. They're all brilliant. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. People are riveted. Just, just like just basic, just like here I am. Like, now I'm here. Uh, round three. Yeah, just exactly. guess, man. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Home with my dog. Follow me on Twitter. Um, uh, Okay, I'm going to say there's something about that third one that's not... Yes? Yes. Oh, I just... Oh, my God. You you got Uh, them all. Yeah. So there was a point, and I, I... I don't have the date. I've got the dates for all of your real tweets except for this one, but there was a point where you literally just tweeted, I'm at Second City. But this, <laughs> the Tourette's kicked in. <laughs> They're all in all caps with exclamation points. Oh, and right, it's it very UCB. endearing. It was at UCB oh, where God. you, uh, oh, gosh. was the original tweet. So love yes. performing at UCB with these glorious people last night. Hashtag live comedy. Hashtag UCB. Hashtag so much fun. 
Amazing. Because oh I was, it was like, I did briefly take classes at Second City. Too. I did. I made like a there. Franken tweet. <gasps> I like that. I like, I'm at Second City. Like, oh, okay. Well, you were such a good sport, and this was so much fun. Thank you for playing two tweets in a line. Oh, God. Thank you. So sorry you had to read all of them, but they're, yeah. There were only like 300 and something. It really wasn't that many. I mean, people through. have like thousands, right? Oh, they do. Like, yeah. I'm like, well. That was a great game, Dana. That was an awesome yeah, game. Yeah, that was great. I'm so glad you guys had Yay, fun. Thank, thank you, you, Dana. Thank you. Kincaid, thank you so much for coming in, girl. It was such a blast having you. Aw, this was awesome. I wish you much success, not just with Hug It Out, but with anything you put your hands on, because you are incredibly talented, funny, and just an amazing artist. So I'm thank really so happy much. that you came in. So before you leave, I have one question that I ask all my guests. If you were left unsupervised and nobody could hear or see you, Ooh. where would you be and what would you do? Oh, my gosh. I, you know, as a fan of the podcast, I've been thinking of what I would say. <laughs> and my initial thing was I would play the piano and sing on the stage of Lincoln Center all by myself. Ooh. But then I popped in like, but what would you really want to do? And I think it's a toss-up with being able to wander around Oprah Winfrey's house in Santa Barbara and just <laughs> go through the drawers in her closet and watch Oprah in her element just like a weirdo. So like something kind of beautiful and then something kind of creepy, which is maybe just that's Kincaid in, in one. Kincaid in a nutshell. I love that answer. <laughs> just leave the back door open for me. That's right. Don't mind me, Oprah. I'm just obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> well, girl, thank you so much. I love you so much. And, um, I love you, too. Yes, and much success. you got to keep us informed and let us know what happens. I will. Thank you so much for having me. This is amazing. So much fun to be a fan of something and then to come and be a part of it. So thank you, Elizabeth. Aww, I love you. Thanks, Kincaid. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Left Unsupervised. Don't forget to stalk us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Left Unsupervised Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening.